Good morning. <laughs> oh, it's so good to be here. As Mark said, um, transitioning into this this new role of community life pastor. My name's Cameron, and uh, I've been on staff here for a couple years, so I know I know a lot of you. My wife and I have been coming here for about five years, and uh, so I'm just I'm just so thrilled to be here this morning. And uh, you know, everybody else that's not here, probably a little bit smaller crowd, is probably sitting in front of their fireplace drinking coffee and cozying up on the rug, so I just wore my rug today, so I have a sweater. Um, anything that looks like a blanket makes a great sweater, if you guys don't know that. But um, yeah, so t- today we're, we're kind of at the end of, of the year, reflecting back, as Mark said, and, and looking ahead. It, you know, the last Sunday of December is always kind of a unique thing. You, you know, you're kind of in between. Um, there's still a little bit of a spark of Christmas. Uh, Do you guys have a good Christmas? Everybody had a great Christmas? Yeah? Yeah, so do we. I, you know, um, let me show. If you don't know my, my wife and my son, there we are. He's <laughs> that's Kelly and Knox, who's sad on the left, but happy when he has his buzz. So um, yeah, we we had a great Christmas, and uh, yeah, we're we're actually driving to Kansas today. So after after these services, driving, and so we have Christmas again this week, and a good Boxing Day too, I guess. What, what is Boxing Day? Boxing day. <laughs> I, I still, like, it's, I think it's supposed to be a positive thing, but I still just think of, like, boxing everything up and, like, shoving it away. Um, boxing the leftovers from hell. Bo- bo- yeah, boxing. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Christmas is so good. I love Christmas. Um, so the idea of boxing it away sometimes is, is sad to me because cause I, uh, there's something about the, the holiday, the spirit, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through this year, there's a magic that exists at Christmas. It's like going to Disneyland, right? You go to Disneyland, and it's fun and exciting. And um, even if it's just every once in a while, you, you get a taste of the magic. And Christmas is like that to me. I just have always loved Christmas, loved the holiday. Um, but there are people, like my wife, who like the day after Christmas, she's like, okay, next year, you know, <laughs> like, um, what are we going to do? Make a plan. My mom makes a list every year of things she's going to do better next year. <laughs> and then, and then we, we enter January and we just get back into this normal grind of life, right? We just, it's, it's, like, it's like it came and it went. And the whole year is, is leading up to Christmas, it seems like, a lot of times, and then it goes, and, and, then, and then what? We just go back to, to, to normal life? It's like a, a very small spark in, in our year. No matter, again, no matter what you're going through, you, you've, you've caught a glimpse of that spark. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today, keeping Christmas. What, what if I told you I had the key to keeping Christmas the entire year? And not so much Christmas, Christ, okay, uh, so I, I fooled you a little bit, but, um, but this idea of a spark coming into our life one, once a year, it's, it's a beautiful thing, um, but I don't, I don't know that that's what God wants for us, just a spark. I think he wants us to keep the light throughout the year. It's dry, so excuse me while I take some drinks and we're, we're all feeling the dry weather, but... Um, Sky Jathani, in one of his books, talks about a mausoleum in Gala Placidia. It's in Ravenna, Italy. And Ravenna is a, is a port town, and the mausoleum was built by the Emperor of Rome 1,500 years ago. 
And he, he built it for his sister, and uh, I don't think she ever came to rest there, but it, it's, 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 a, it's a small building in Ravenna, and if you saw it, you would think, oh, that's, that's nothing, nothing special. There's some bricks and, you know, kind of a yard around it, but it's, it's a small building, and it's like, well, you know, what, what's up with this place? People flock here. If you haven't heard of it, the mausoleum in Galapagosidia, people flock here, but it's not the outside that, that they co- go to see. It's, it's what's on the inside. Actually, um, what's interesting, this, this building over the years has sunk about four feet. So it's four feet lower than, than it was 1,500 years ago. People don't go to see the outside. They go to see the inside. Once you walk in the mausoleum, it's dark, it's damp. There's only 14 little stained glass windows inside. And so not much light comes in. It's a port city, so they get a lot of overcast days. So if you happen to go on a day that it's sunny and it's bright, you can see what's inside. One of the oldest and most complete collections of mosaics that exists in the world. Here's a small plug for a mosaic series coming next week. Um, Mark can't use this story now. (laughs) Um, But inside, it's actually... One, one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. And they're glass mosaics, and, and, and they have all of these pictures um, throughout the, the, the mausoleum. And um, if it's not crowded with tourists, you might actually get a glimpse of it. If it's bright, you might get a glimpse, but it's so dark and it's so damp in there. But a lot of times, it's just crowded. You, you walk in, and you're like, oh, these stinky <laughs> tourists or whatever, and then, like, I'm out. And most people don't stay long enough to really see the beauty of, of this destination. Um, and, and one of the walls is a change box. Not a change box. It's a donation box. Um, we should put one of these in here where you just drop a donation, and the lights turn up, and they stay up for a moment, and then they go down. <laughs> That would be fun. Play a trick on, you know, in the middle. Ding! Um, no, I'm just joking. Um, but you, you put a donation in, and the lights come up. No flash photography, no cameras. The lights come up, and you get to see for a moment how beautiful the mosaics are. They're just gorgeous. But then the lights turn off. They come on, and then they come off. Now, you could sit there, you put, like, a donation, okay, and then you run back over and do another donation. Lies, come on, come off, do another. But like, you'd go broke, right? <laughs> um, but that's, that's their ploy. That's what they want. They want you to come and give a donation. And um, if you're there long enough, several people might do it. But it would take days to really look at these mosaics and, and get the most out of the beauty that they are. And that's like Christmas, right? That's like Christ in our life sometimes. We all have experiences where... We see Christ or experience Christ for a moment, and then it's gone. You might be interested to know that just after Christmas is one of the bluest parts of the year where people are depressed. You can see why. You gather around a table Christmas, you, you eat, you, you gather, you, you, you enjoy games, and, but then like it's gone, and it's back to, back to the grind. It was bright for a moment, and now it's gone. And Jesus, a lot of times in our life, it feels like that, right? We all have seasons where, you know, oh, man, it feels so good, but then it's gone. I don't think that that's what God has in mind for us, especially when it comes to the everyday 
ordinary moments of our life. And that's what we're going to explore today. So Paul, in 1 Thessalonians, he wrote two letters. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, we're going to have it on the screen if, if you don't. But um, he wrote two letters to this church in Thessalonica. And um, he loved this church. And, and they really... Um, they really listened to, to his teaching, which is probably why he loved it. You all are listening to me, and like right now, I love, you know, love sharing with you. If you weren't listening to me, then it would be a different story, you know. Um, but First um, Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you. Those seem like three ridiculously challenging things to do always. Be joyful. Always. Pray. Like without ceasing. Pray continually. Give thanks in every single circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we're going to kind of, we're going to dive into these three things and, and explore these a little bit because I think what Paul has in mind is kind of what we're talking about today. A lot of times you'll experience a spark, a, a light, and then it goes out. How do we keep that spark alive in the everyday, ordinary parts of our life? So be joyful always. We, we, all, know, we all know some joyful people. We all know some joyful places like Disneyland. But again, the joy a lot of times runs out. Even the most joyful people that I know in my life, I'm a pretty joyful person, but I have hours where I don't have coffee, you know, and I'm not, I'm not very joyful. We, those people, they have days, we have seasons where it's, it's hard, it's challenging to be joyful. But what, what does that really look like to be joyful always? Is it joyful sometimes? No. Is it joyful occasionally? That'd be kind of depressing if he said that. Hey, be joyful occasionally. No, he, he tells us be joyful always. And I think that the key to this, the key to being joyful always, is love. It's love. Love is what breaks that cycle of joylessness in our lives. Let me tell you a quick story. So I'm going to brag on my wife. She's not here today or this morning. She'll be here later. Um, her name's Kelly. And she has taken upon herself um, a task to to present Christmas to a family this year. Um, a couple years ago, she had these twins in her class. She was a fourth grade teacher. And they did not have very much at the time. They came from a, kind of a rough situation. Um, parents were from Mexico, uh, domestic abuse situation. And yet they were, they were joyful. They were joyful people. And Kelly just connected with these girls. Um, when Kelly stopped teaching, she stayed in contact with them. And just a few months ago, they lost their home. And um, they've been in, in the UMOM shelter. So they, that's, where, that's where they live, in the UMOM shelter. As soon as Kelly found that out, she signed up for UMOM um, dinner service. So it, here's an easy plug, too. So UMOM dinner service, if you want to get involved, this is awesome. <laughs> it's a great way to get involved. But she went to the UMOM dinner service and... Um, Throughout, throughout the year, she'll just pick them up and take them and just get them Sonic or whatever. 
Well, they lost their home. They have no extra money for gifts for Christmas. And so my wife, um, she, she got a bunch of used gifts, some um, old gifts from other people, so like an old crock pot, because they don't have a kitchen in their room, a, um, a coffee, uh, like a Keurig maker, because they don't have any way to drink coffee or be joyful like me, like us, <laughs> throughout the year if they don't go downstairs, you know, have to trek all the way downstairs. And these girls just got some books and some simple things. Um, and she had them over one day when I was at work, and she had this family over, and she just gave them Christmas. Isn't that a beautiful picture, right? That's a beautiful picture. Oh, yeah. she, would be hate, she would hate that I'm doing... That's breaking the cycle of joylessness in their lives. That's permeated through, through the situations, the circumstances that they can't control. And I think that that's what we're called to do as a church. And I'm so proud of, of Cheryl Presley doing a, a cookie decorating last week and so proud of so many of you that are doing events here at the church and, and getting involved in things because when we do, when we, not just because I'm the community life pastor and I'm, like, I'm, I'm all about community, but when we do, when we, when we have the kind of love that's empowered by the Holy Spirit and that reflects Christ, that's what brings joy. Even if you personally are going through a season where you're lacking joy, there's always something, there's always a story going on here at our church. And not just this church, the church globally. There are thousands of stories every day of people like you and me making a difference in lives. It's the ordinary, the everyday things. It started with just taking them to Sonic and ended up with giving them a full-fledged Christmas that they've never experienced before. They still had Mexican food, which I thought was great. Um, but... But that's, that's what Paul's talking about. He's telling the church, he's talking to the church. They would have been reading this letter like, like we're talking today and just said, hey, be joyful, always. That's impossible for me. That's impossible for me to be joyful. But you are my joy. This community is my joy. When I hear about the things that you're doing, when I see the, the good deeds that you're doing in the name of Christ, empowered by the Spirit, that brings me joy. It says this in just a couple chapters earlier in 1 Thessalonians. It says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. You, the church, you're Paul's joy. That should be encouraging today. Hey, you know what? I have days, I have seasons where the, where the joy is not there, but there's joy going on right here in this community, in the church. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, next, pray continually. I know whenever you talk about prayer in the church, by the way, there's a wave of guilt, because how many of us have this prayer? God, I know how long it's been since I've prayed. Um, and, and, and then we, we think about, the, the times maybe that we pray or don't pray, and, and, and it's a burden. And I don't think prayer should be a burden. I don't think prayer should be a burden at all. Um, and, and when he says pray continually, I don't think he's intending it to be something that feels like it's forced. 
right? A lot of times prayer feels forced. I feel like we have to say certain things, we have to talk in a really low voice, and we have to quote King James Version of the Bible and say, thou and thy. And um, there are certain places that we can pray or not pray. Uh, but but that's, that's not what I see in the Bible. Um, Last semester, Tim Holmes taught a class called Praying Through the Psalms. The Psalms are a beautiful picture of what I think it really means to pray. Not telling us how to pray. Jesus gives us instruction how to pray. Um, And by the way, Jesus says, and when you pray, when he gives us that instruction, he assumes that we should be praying. We should be praying constantly. Um, But in the Psalms, um, one of those prayers that, that has struck me recently, it says, Lord Take these babies of our enemies. Children, close your ears. (laughs) Lord, take these babies of our enemies and bash them against the rocks. What do you do with that? (laughs) That's That's a really weird prayer, right? That's a really honest and vulnerable prayer. And all throughout the Psalms, you see prayers like this. Honesty, vulnerability, openness, communication with God. That's what prayer is. It's God talk. It's talking to God. And it shouldn't be a burden. It should be easy. If, if our theology is that God is somewhere else, right? God is, is on a distant planet or a distant place somewhere else, and I'm conjuring him through my prayer, then maybe I should pray a certain way and, and use a certain voice and clean up my house before he comes, right? Yeah. But no, like, we're kind of living in God's house. We're kind of like the old grungy college kid that, like, won't leave, you know? Like, okay. Um, you just walk in, and, and you can just pray, and it shouldn't be a burden. Prayer should be a lifestyle. Prayer should not be a burden. It should be a lifestyle. It should be honest communication. And, and when you walk, you should pray while you walk. I think that's an that's a easy thing to do. You walk into places when you feel things with your hands or senses, and we often forget our ears are very important in praying, which is listening. Psalms are filled with, hear me, God. What do you want to say to me? If we don't ever vocalize them, they stay. And I feel like those things are a disease deep down. So we need to vocalize those and just pray those. And it shouldn't be a burden. It should be easy. And I think that that's what Paul's saying. Prayer, continually. Pray as you use your senses. Listen to God continually. In your everyday, ordinary life, pray those things that are deep down, not the Christian thing. I think that a lot of times we think the Christian thing is to just keep those things concealed and not let God see them. Like those aren't, those, the interiors of our life, those aren't things that we can talk to God. But God is not afraid. I'm telling you today, God is not afraid of the interiors of our life. He wants you to vocalize that. He wants to be involved in that. And when we pray, something happens. It takes this burden off. If our theology that God is everywhere, not distant, God is everywhere, then we should talk to him in everything, constantly. And, and, and that takes practice. I, I think that that's, that that's fine. It takes practice. But this week, maybe, maybe for you, you just need to pray a little bit while you're going about your day. The key is, is that Christ is always with us. Christ is always with us. Okay. How are you doing? You still with me? 
Okay. These first two seem like ridiculously challenging, and it doesn't get much easier. Number three, be thankful <laughs> in all circumstances. What about when, like, you get a bad word from the doctor, okay? Like, God, I'm, how do you stay thankful? When you lose a loved one or a friend, how do you stay thankful? When you put all your money in on the stock market and it crashes, how do you stay thankful? What does that look like? I think here's the key. No matter our circumstances, no matter what's going on in our everyday life, we can take solace in an eternal kingdom, right? In an eternal kingdom. Jesus says, I have come to give you life. He says, the kingdom has arrived, right? That's, can you imagine Jesus walking down the road? The kingdom is here, right? And it's an eternal kingdom. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 28, if, again, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. That doesn't sound like a spark, does it? That sounds like a raging fire. How do you put out a raging fire? You don't. <laughs> it's, it takes crews of firemen, and, and they still can't do it. It takes flyovers and splashing water and letting water loose all over the fire, and it can't contain it, a consuming, a raging fire. I think that, that that's what God wants for us. But I don't think that thankfulness is always in our current circumstances. But when it is, I think that everything we do, seeing everything we do, every action we do throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout our month, throughout our year, is a way of tapping into the divine, is a way of tapping into the eternal kingdom. So I love to cook. Right? I love cooking. And it's challenging because my wife is allergic to dairy and she's allergic to, uh, my son's allergic to tree nuts and to eggs. So like cooking becomes a challenge for me. But there's something beautiful when you take two ingredients and you combine them and you make something, you create something. It's fun. It's beautiful. It's an ordinary thing that's tapping into the divine. Getting coffee with a friend or with your family. Coffee is no longer just a coffee when you see it as an eternal king. We're, we're part of this kingdom. It's, it's something different. You're sharing life with, with somebody. The things we do, going to work, your desk is a domain where you, you know what? You, the kingdom is there. The kingdom is everywhere. It, again, it has to do with our theology. If we believe that God is somewhere else, this becomes really hard. If we believe that God is in everything and all things and 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 that we can experience him in even the most mundane activities of life, those can become divine moments of our life, of our day. Wow, that's awesome. When you see Christ lived out in the everyday, ordinary things of our life. It's beautiful, and I think that that's what God wants for us. Okay, 
So see you next week. Be joyful. <laughs> Pray continually. No, I'm just joking. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Again, those are three ridiculously challenging things. Those are hard. Those are impossible. But here's where I think that this gets really interesting. Paul finishes this passage, this verse, with this statement. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. The eternal becomes personal. I think he knows that we're going to fail. I think Paul knows that it's going to be really, really hard to do all of these things. But I think that he knows the most important thing, the most essential thing that we can do is invite God in, in Christ Jesus. In Jesus, all these things are possible because we're, we're a work in progress. Um, J.R. Tolkien uses this word, eucatastrophe. The U, E-U, means good. Catastrophe means, well, catastrophe, right? <laughs> Terrible. How many of you would say that sometimes your life is a catastrophe, right? Eucatastrophe, he says in all of his books, is when the good thing comes at just the right moment before it all vanishes. Does that remind you of anything? Jesus in a manger coming at just the right moment before it's all a catastrophe. But it's not just a spark. It's a raging fire. Jesus wants to be a raging fire in your life. And we can do that by, by practicing joy, by being love, by praying and inviting God into our everyday, ordinary things learning to be thankful for the mundane, normal circumstances of our life. And I think that's key. Jesus wants to be with us, with us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves you. This year, let's, let's practice that. God with us. Jesus is our you catastrophe the good news arriving at just the right moment before it all vanishes. Some of us need to hear that today. That's good news. And so, today, don't, don't be depressed trying to uh, be joyful always and pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. But what I do want us to do is think about God with us. God with us. Emmanuel, like we talked about just the other day. Emmanuel. He wants to be involved in our story. He wants us to invite him in to the everyday, ordinary things. So today, as, as the band comes back up uh, and, and we, we worship together, maybe some of you need to Write something on a card that you need, need to find joy in. Maybe something you're joyful for. Maybe something you're thankful for. Or maybe you say, God, I've experienced a spark and I want it to be a raging fire. 
Or maybe you can just pray. Just pray. Just tell God what's on your heart. Because it's beautiful when that happens. God with us. He cares about us. He wants to be involved in our lives. Dear God, we thank you for the spark of your son Jesus. We thank you for igniting in us a fire that weathers all storms. We praise you in the midst of challenging circumstances and the hard things we're going through. And we pray that you help us to keep the joy of Christ, the beauty of Christmas alive in our lives throughout this year. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name.